As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome to another episode of the Dose of Leadership podcast, the show that brings you inspiring and educational interviews with today's most relevant and motivating leaders. Each episode is dedicated to highlight real-life leadership and influence experts who dedicate their lives to the pursuit of the truth, common sense, and courageous leadership. And now, here's your host, Richard Ryerson. Hey, welcome to the show. Richard Ryerson here. Glad to be back in the saddle the end of my 737 training. In fact, I got my type rating last week. So my world is going to open up a little bit more. This last couple months have been rather intense on my schedule. So the time I wasn't in training, I'd like to maximize my time at home, which meant Dose of Leadership suffered a little bit in terms of episodes and my apologies for that. But we're back in the saddle again. I'm excited to, with my window of freedom, free time opening up to start bringing some Exciting guests and episodes back to you on Dose of Leadership, giving you that leadership value that you need to help you become the leader in every aspect of your life. That's what this show is about. And my next guest today, Jim Harshaw, we actually recorded this right before I went to training at the beginning of the summer. And Jim is a great guest. And the timing, and I felt bad that I didn't get this out earlier, but the timing is actually apropos because we are, as I'm recording this, in the second week of the Olympics, and the Olympics is on everybody's mind. And Jim was a former uh, Division I All-American wrestler, and we talk about athletics a lot in this conversation in the terms of how athletics have shaped both of us uh, in our character building, but also it taught us the concept of failure. And that's really what Jim specializes in. He's got a great TEDx talk that's on there. Uh, you can follow the link to this post, and you can go to his website at jimharshawjr.com, and you can watch it and he, how he teaches his kids to fail. And it's so true. We've talked about it on the show. You've heard it. If you're a fan of the show, you know we talk about failure, how failure is a nonsensical word. It doesn't even mean anything, really. And I'm so used to that now. And, I, and you've heard me say that if the moment your life can dramatically change is the moment you stop worrying about being wrong, the moment you can stop worrying about failing, your world goes in a completely different direction. Athletics certainly helped me with that, but certainly as the last particularly in the last 10 years, I've really come to embrace this idea, I'm not afraid of failing anymore. I'm not. And what does it even mean to fail, right? It's just a precursor to success, as my good friend Devin Walker always says. It's true, right? Failure is just a precursor to an eventual success. You just don't quit. And the theme in all these interviews, all these conversations that we've had on the show, it's always there. The tenacity is what wins the day. It's not talent. It's not constantly having a winning record. It's never giving up. And as Jim Harshaw points out, that every success story includes a crushing failure. And it's so true. 
Steve Jobs, Michael Jordan, Phil Knight, Elon Musk, you look at their life, they're all a series of failures, if you will. And then when you understand this, when you realize that, you'll see that failure isn't the opposite of success, as Jim says in his words. It's a necessary step on the path to success. And that is so true. And this concept is foundational to you becoming a great leader. You have to embrace that and stop worrying about being wrong. But as Jim points out in this conversation, society tells us that when we fail, it means we're not good enough, right? or we're not smart enough, or we're not capable enough. And usually when people fail or what happens is when we fail, we tend to lower our expectations, lower our goals instead of reaching for greater and greater things and pushing ourselves out of the comfort zone and not settling. And that's what this conversation is all about. And I love Jim. You can learn more about him at jimharshawjr.com. You can follow the links in the post. You're really going to love this conversation. And again, th- think about when you're your baby, you're teaching your kids how to walk, and when you when when uh, you were learning how to walk, right? You never see a baby getting frustrated because he falls down. He gets excited, and we're excited because he took one step, and then he falls, and we clap and we yell. But somewhere along the line, as we get older, we stop celebrating those failures, if you will, right? So we need to get back to that, and that's what Jim is all about. Okay. Glad to be back in the saddle. You're going to love this conversation with Jim Harshaw. Rate, review, subscribe to the show. Uh, learn more about my coaching and speaking services at richardryerson.com. And without further ado, here's Jim Harshaw Jr. on Dose of Leadership. Well, Jim, so excited to have you on the show. Welcome to Dose of Leadership. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me, Richard. Yeah. You know, our friend Charlie the Spaniard referred me to you, and I'm so glad he did. You know, I love talking about um, particularly – uh, athletes such as yourself or athletics had been such a uh, important part of your life and your development, right? I mean, there's so many parallels to life and leadership. So how did you uh, w- take me back to your days as an athlete? What what sport were you in? So I was a wrestler and I started wrestling when I was six years old, mm. wrestled the whole way through college and competed, you know, division one. I, was, you know, I had a successful college wrestling career, ended up coaching collegiately for about seven years. And um, so, yeah, wrestling in, in many ways has defined my life. And it, it, it's it's an incredibly hard sport. You it know, is. anybody yeah. that, it that's ever done hard. it, even yeah. if they've done many other sports I've had. I work in athletics now and, and so many people that I know that have wrestled and maybe done soccer or wrestled and done track or wrestled and done football or basketball. I, I've heard it dozens of times that, man, I've never done anything harder than wrestling. I gotta tell you, so. I tried. I tried out for it, and I quit within a week. It was a a bear. I just, oh my god, <laughs> it was so stinking tough. Not only just the the physicality of it, and um, but it's it really is. I think I talked with Charlie about this. It really is a, a thinking man's. It's like chess almost. Yeah, absolutely. It's a martial art. Most be a yeah. lot of people don't realize that part of it. It's it's much more skill than it is strength or power or speed. It is very. It's. You know, there there are certain sports where, you know, if you're if you're tall or you can run real fast or you're really big, you can have a leg up on on, on others, you know, right. right away you can step on the field or on the court or whatever and, and be decent. Well, wrestling, it's like I don't care how big, strong, fast you are. If I've wrestled for w- one season and this is your first season, I'm going to destroy you right. <laughs> right. badly. You're going to get humiliated. Yeah. And it's yeah. So it's really a martial art. It's a it's. It's all about learning the technique and, and being on the mat and just that experience and being able to do it without thinking. You can't think. Right. It turns in. And that's, al- that's right. It's almost like um, 
but that's, I don't, that's what I always found challenging is that I was thinking too much and then I was just getting destroyed because, you know, yeah, you know, you have to do the thinking first, you know, in the pra- in practice, you know, right. you think uh-huh. your way through it, then you drill it a thousand times and then, and then you don't have to think. Yeah. Rowing was my big sport and the coach, and it's, and it's the same thing is that if it, a lot of technique involved in rowing and if you thought yeah. about it too much, it would, yeah, it's just weird. It's hard to describe to someone, don't think about it, just do it, you know? Yeah. And you know, rowing's another brutal sport. I mean, yeah. that's just you pull until until it hurts, and then, and then you just keep going. You know, yeah. you just pull as hard as you can. That's a, that's a brutal sport. I know, I know quite a few rowers, and I've worked with the rowing program at the University of Virginia, my alma mater, and they are tough, tough people. I, I mean, it was a great sport for me. I mean, it transformed. Um, I think we talked about this when we talked on the phone uh, a few weeks ago, setting up this interview, and. Um, I played baseball and, you know, the traditional sports, basketball and a little bit of football and tried out wrestling, like I said. But the when I did the the rowing thing and the physicality and I went into the Marine Corps right after that. And I remember I did a, a physical for my flight physical and my resting pulse rate was 48 beats a minute. It kicked off. the Yeah, energy. that's insane. Yeah, <laughs> just a total cardio sport, teamwork sport. But anyway, you know, right. I what I love about what you're doing. And just like the point of it is, is like there, there have been kind of um, milestones and I think everybody's life and anybody that's played a sport. And if you, you fully embrace it and you did a sport for a long time, my God, the parallels for the character development that's made you the person you are today. I mean, it's directly attributed. I and mean, I can just see this in you. I mean, I'm sure you think about wrestling almost every day, don't you? Yeah, absolutely. You learn these lessons through athletics and a lot of them you really don't even realize you're learning at the sure. time it's, it's the reflection like, back yeah yeah and, and you know you're you're learning time management i can remember my senior year i actually did five years in college i got a master's degree my fifth year and while i was getting my master's i was still competing because i redshirted i took you know in college you have five years to do f- four years of competing and i was doing full-time student teaching and so i had to work out train in the morning before I went to school and I did full day at school and then I rushed out of school so I could get to practice on time, which I was always like five or 10 minutes late, but I couldn't help it because I had to do my teaching. And right. And then after, you know, it was just in, and there were kids in my program were having nervous, nervous breakdowns and girls were crying and, and, uh, and I was like, gosh, I'm, I'm doing all the, all what they're doing. Plus I'm, I'm, you know, training three hours a day and but it's just one of those things where you just, you just do it and, and you don't realize you're learning these t- lessons and time management and these lessons of doing the work even though you're uncomfortable or hungry or tired or fatigued or in pain. You know, you just learn these lessons and that's just kind of how you go about your life. And I think that's one of the, one of the missing pieces really I think in, in, in athletics in general is – and it's not even just athletics. It's all activities uh, and I'll, I'll expand on that in a second. But is the fact that – is coaches not not enough coaches really talk about the life lessons? The great ones do. Yeah. The great top level coaches talk about the life lessons you are learning as you're an athlete. I'm pushing you through this. You are now, you know, after you completed this practice or this season or this career, you are now a more capable human being because of the pain and suffering you went through to challenge yourself and push yourself to the limit. And and I say that's not just for athletics because I'm I'm a father of four and my kids are doing not only sports, but they're doing my one son's in Cub Scouts and all three, you know, three of my four kids are playing an instrument. So I see the same thing. It's like, you've got to practice piano or guitar or violin, which they do when you're tired, when you don't feel like it, you have to do it over and over and over and over and over again. If you want to get good, you have to do it more than 
you're expected to do. You know, so these are all life lessons that we learn through activities and just trying to be excellent at something. Yeah, it's a great point. And I think a lot of times we look at a successful athlete, you know, especially when the Olympics are coming up, you know, this summer and we'll be watching them and we'll marvel at some of this. And I think in a sense, we we get the backstory of, a, a, you know, of a Michael Phelps or something and we see and we hear, but we truly don't appreciate when we see greatness. I don't care what it is, sport, piano player, pilot, speaker, anything of the amount of the normal, non-sexy day-by-day habits that go put into place. And when you were talking about your story, how you got up and you did this, it was that repetition and doing the kind of the ordinary things consistently and better than the average Joe is what led towards success. And that's, and then the other thing that you pointed out, I wanted to, wanted to, to highlight was the fact that you're right. If so much of it is dependent upon the coaches, i.e. the leaders. And sometimes if a coach is intentional about how they're teaching and coaching and influencing, it can literally change the destiny of, of whoever they're, who's under their steed. Anyway, those are two takeaways that I got from what you just said. Yeah. You know, to expand again on what you just said about, you know, you don't, you don't see the day-to-day grind. No, the it's grind. Like, yeah. That's my mission in life, Richard, is to explain to people, to share with people that these people that we see on TV that are, you know, winning championships in sports or they're at the top of their, uh, their career in business or as entrepreneurs or as leaders and CEOs, uh, politicians or music or, uh, uh, acting in Hollywood. We, all we see is the, the, the top of the tip of the iceberg, right? We see them succeeding. We see them making tons of money and fame and wealth and success. That's what we see, but we don't see the real world. We, we just go, Oh, look, it's so easy for that person, right? Look at them. They, exactly. they're such an amazing speaker. They just, they were born that way, right? No, they failed and they struggled and they had to grind and they had to invest and they had to get up after being knocked down. They had self doubt. They had hopelessness. They had fear. And, and there's a, there's a, arguably the top sports psychologist in the world is a guy named by the name of Dr. Bob Rotella. And I've, I've interacted with him a handful of times. He happens to live in Charlottesville, Virginia. And he's, he has this quote. He says, if you want to be extraordinary, you can't do what everyone else does. If you want to be extraordinary, you can't do what everyone else does. And what everyone else does, which the, what, what the average person does is, you know, they try, they have goals and, and, and they try and they push and they, and they fail and they store, they struggle and, and they go, okay, well, I guess I'm just not good at that. Or I guess this just isn't for me. But the extraordinary person is this, th- does the same thing, but they, they, they change the words that they say, you know, they, they, yeah, right. they don't lay down, they don't quit, they don't give up, they don't lower their goals, they don't settle. Yeah. We're then, pulled down by the average because, you know, everywhere around us is is average, right? So you want to increase the 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 sort of standard around you by being around other people who who do amazing things, and you're gonna by by being around those people. And the listener knows that they they've they've seen these people, and they've interacted with these people, and and your listeners are the type of people who who are the people who grind and, and get up and do it over and over and over. But you see the level of work, the work despite failure. Despite struggle, despite setback, despite reasons why they can't or shouldn't succeed, they keep going, right? And, well, um, well, and that's the advantage. And, and, and that's my mission. You know, that's, that is I my mission it. on this planet is to share that message. Well, you said something that really resonates with me is that we're kind of 
you know, bathing in this sea of mediocrity or this, or we celebrate the average. And that's the beautiful thing about sports when it's done right. I think, you know, over the last 20 years, it seems like a lot of sports have been getting a bad rap or, you know, you find those kind of, I remember, you know, comparing when I was trying to get my, uh, my kids aren't big into sports, but, you know, a few of them wanted to play softball and baseball, they're girls. And, and I live in a town that uh, is just outside of, of the major city and it's a small rural. It's like a Friday night lights city. Like if there's a Friday night lights, you know, kind of stereotype, I mean, everything is centered around sports. There's a great football coach here that is just, he's just awesome. He's, he's the type of coach you and I are trying to talk about, right? And you see that character development and you see that, but at the same time, you see some of these, the perversion in some, like in some of the parents and some of these other coaches, you know what I'm talking about? Where it gets perverted a little bit. And I think that's where sports gets a bad rap. But if you can find that great leader as a coach, you can find that person who understands that it's not about the sport. It's about the life lessons that they teach you. It sets, it can set you up for success better than anything else. And I was going to say that, you know, and I'm curious about your path too, but if I think about my path and those milestones of, you know, even leading up to this conversation that we're having right now, if you follow the lineage, the chain back from becoming an entrepreneur to being a corporate executive, to being a commercial pilot, to being a Marine Corps officer, a pilot to, you know, finishing college, you know, you can, you can follow it back to starting out in sports all the way from playing bitty basketball in little league. I can honestly link that chain directly to those. In addition to, you know, having some great, you know, great parents and and great teachers and great mentors along the way, but it was the sport that was at the foundation. I can guarantee that that's what it was. Yeah. You know, you mentioned it's not about the sport. It's about the lessons you learn along the mm-hmm. way. You know, I, I, you know, I was a division one, all American. It was my goal and I failed and I failed and I failed and I finally got there. And, and I, I look back, you know, almost 20 years later on that experience as an athlete in college. And, and I, I value less the fact that I was named all American, yeah, you know, yeah. that I, that I finished top eight in the nation. What I value is the fact that I work so freaking hard, Richard. I mean, <laughs> right. I did things that people thought I was insane. I was uh-huh. obsessed and, and borderline insane. But that's, you know, a lot of people, you know, I didn't do, you know, I wanted to be extraordinary, so I didn't do what everyone else does. And I, I was on, I had teammates on my team who were also all Americans and, you know, very good wrestlers and successful people. And, and it was just us a lot of times doing these crazy things, you know, waking up early and going to run the stadium stairs with the 45 pound plate held over our head and just doing things that were just ridiculous. And, and, and we, there were other athletes who, who in, in other sports and in our sport who just kind of looked at us like, what are you doing? It's like, well, we're trying to do great things. And, and that's what it takes. You know, you, you have, whether you're an athlete or, or like I said, trying to play piano or build a great business, you have to do these things, you know? Yeah. It's the discipline a guy, habits. Yeah. Yeah, that that discipline. You know, there's a guy named Kyle Dake, and I'm sure none of your listeners have ever heard of him. He's a four-time NCAA national champion, and in our world, the national championships is like the Super Bowl. You know, it's fifteen thousand, actually nineteen thousand people sold out Madison Square Garden two months ago. It was live on ESPN, wow. right in the middle of March Madness on primetime NCAA wrestling championships. A big deal. This guy won four national championships, and he was the first person ever to do it four different weight classes. He moved up a weight class every year and won a championship at a different weight class. Pretty impressive. Extremely impressive. Historic. But Kyle Dake wrote his goals down 
for a freshman year, once in the morning and once at night before he went to bed. Every single morning he wow. woke up and he wrote down his goals. Every single night before he went to bed, he wrote down his goals. And he won a national championship despite all odds. Sophomore year, twice in the morning, twice at night. Junior year, three times in the morning, three times at night. I mean, this is what successful people do, you know, like right. the story of Jim Carrey. He talked about this on the Oprah Winfrey show once is he wrote a check to himself for $10 million for acting services rendered. This is when he was a poor, broke, nobody. Jim Carrey wrote a check to himself for $10 million. He dated it five years into the future and he put it in his wallet and he kept it there. And he would drive up every night overlooking Mall, uh, Hollywood up on uh, Mulholland Drive. And he would visualize himself talking to famous producers and acting in big time movies. But who does this, right? It's like, it's kind of crazy. Like, right. Who, who does that kind of thing? Yeah. Well, really successful people do. Because when that check, about three months before that check came due, he actually signed a contract for $10 million. It's, it's, it's how it works. You know, you have to do these things. You have to grind. You have to face the struggles and the failures and get your, and, and bring, pull your head up time after time after time. Well, again, it goes back to everything kind of rests on doing the, having the disciplined habits. I mean, and they're not sexy and, and it's when no one sees you and it's doing it time and time again. And it, because it, I think what, what's the average once, um, kind of something you're doing turns into a habit is it 60 days or something like that yeah they yeah right it, they say that 60 days i mean depending on the research and i think it's depending on the habit too but yeah i've read that too but i think on top of that most importantly and this is why i think sports are so important and so ana analogous or so beneficial to be leading a significant life is that it's how you deal with um the eventual and inevitable kind of setback and and all the success stories that we've seen, everybody has a crushing blow or a crushing kind of defeat or setback. And that is what, to me, is the, the critical moment that defines, makes or breaks you as a leader or someone that's going to have a successful or significant life. Because we've all seen, in fact, I just saw a story and I forget the gentleman's name. He played Major League Baseball and it, his career ended, you know, his life and he's never recovered from it. You know, and some of those people were, they say, you know, failure is not an option or everything like that. And it's, it's the character is made in that failing moment, I think. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, failure, you know, you have, you have two choices when you fail. It's to quit and give up and, and, you know, believe that you're not good enough, not smart enough, not capable, capable enough, or you can go the other direction. And, you know, I look back on my, on my wrestling career and, and I, I did a TED talk on this, a TEDx talk on this, and people, you know, visitors can see it. You can go to my website, just jimharshawjr.com slash TED. And it's a seven-minute TED talk, and it's called Why I Teach My Children to Fail. Right. And it's about my story of failure as an athlete. I failed, and, and I failed, and I failed, and I failed my freshman year, sophomore year, junior year. I kept failing at the national championships to, to reach my goal, my dream. And, you know, it, my junior year after the national championships were over, I got eliminated. and you know, I talk about this in my talk is I found myself in the locker room in tears, you know, wondering why I can't do this. Maybe it's not meant to be, maybe I'm just not good enough. And, you know, I couldn't run more miles. I couldn't lift more weights. I couldn't watch more film. There's not, there weren't enough hours in the day. I can't possibly do any more. I'm doing everything I possibly can do, should do. Anybody would tell me to do, I would do it and I would do it and I would do it. So it's like, what's next? If I fail after doing all that, what's next? And then the next year I come out and I do it. You know, I beat the top five ranked guy in the country on the number one team in the country. And I, and I do it, you know, in front of 15,000 people. And, 
and and I finally did it, and I you know I reflected back on this, and actually about five years ago, I, I kind of found myself in that in the locker room in tears moment again. You know, I right. had a failed business, uh, my marriage was struggling, my relationship with my wife was was was, was crumbling, our finances were in shambles, uh, we were in significant debt. Um, just everything was, you know, I was in the worst condition, physical shape of my life. And, and I stopped at that moment. I was like, oh, why can't I do this? You know, I remember thinking this, like, why can't I do this? Like what's going on here? And so I, I decided to really look back at my, my experience as an athlete and say, okay, what was in place that allowed me to be successful? Mm to win three conference championships to become an all American to be invited to train at the Olympic training center and train, over, you know, compete overseas with team USA, et cetera. And I broke it down. So there were four pieces. I have, I've, I actually teach this. I have a, uh, a program called reveal your path. I actually have a couple of Olympians signed up for, for the program, former Olympians that signed up for it for next month. And it, it's, it's an amazing program where I, I share this with people and it's, it's a four step blueprint for success that anybody can apply to anything, whether you're an athlete, not an athlete, doesn't matter, but this is, these are the steps. Step one, I realized number one, the, the one thing I had in place in my life at the time when I was competing was I knew what I valued. I knew what was important to me. And what was important to me was, and I don't think I could have uh, really said this or, or pulled this out at the time, but what was important to me was to be like the people who I, I respected, the, the, the guys who were All-Americans and national champions and Olympians. I wanted to be like them because they were disciplined people who you know, lived disciplined lives. They were respected. They, they often went on to be successful outside of the sport. And so I said that, you know, that's, that was why I was able to keep getting up after failure, failure, after failure, after failure. And then, but that didn't get me the whole way there. That, that sure. got me to the university of Virginia, but it didn't get me to the top you know, under the podium at the national championships. And then my sophomore year, I looked back and I was like, okay, so what was the next leap that I made? The next leap, my sophomore year, I won the ACC championship and, um, which was just a huge step for me. And I was, so I won the ACC championship and I went to the national championships again. And I realized looking back that year, I started documenting. So they started writing down my goals. I actually documented them. I wrote my goals down, had a plan to achieve them. I identified the hurdles, the failures, the struggles that I was going to hit. And so I, I had my goals written down and documented. I posted them everywhere so I could see them, right? And you read about successful people and they do this, right? A lot of people listening to this, we've all heard it. But how many people do it? Not very many because mm -hmm. it's just kind of weird or it takes time to do it. You wonder what other people are going to think about you <laughs> right. if you have your goals stuck in your steering wheel. But I did that, right? And then the, th the third piece, so step one is understanding what your, what your values are. Step two is writing goals, documented goals that align with those values. Step three is creating a consciously creating an environment of excellence. And I call it, call it an environment of excellence because it's – all of the things that are going to allow you to be successful, whatever it is, it's it's the people you surround yourself with, the books that you read, the podcasts that you listen to. You, you know, for the listener, you know, you could you could turn this off and and listen to ESPN radio or or you know anything else, but you're listening to this show because you want to improve yourself. You right. want to get better, right? This is part of your environment of excellence. Um, it's like Jim Carrey visualization, right? He yep. was poor, broke, nobody, but he. He visualized, he created this environment, not only externally, but internally. So that's the third piece is that, you know, and I started doing that my junior year, creating that environment of excellence. But my end of my junior year, 
and I didn't know this blueprint at the time. I sort of extrapolated this kind of looking back on my career when I had this moment about five years ago. And, and then I was, you know, at the end of my junior year, I found myself in the locker room in tears wondering why I can't do this. And what I eventually realized going, in, going into my senior year is I let go. I let go of the result. And I said, all I can do is everything that I can do. And whatever happens, happens. I'm going to be okay with the end result. And that comes down to focusing on the process, not the outcome. Because once you let go of the outcome and you just focus on the process, the pressure comes off and life is fun. You know, So if we focus on, on the process of whatever it is the listener wants to do, building a business, get rich, get famous, whatever it is, focus on the process, the things that you have to right. execute today and tomorrow and next week and next month. And when you focus on that process, good things happen. And we talk about the journey is where you learn. You learn. On the journey. So if you don't become rich or famous or build that amazing company or become the, 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 the CEO of the company, the person you become in the process of focusing on that process is going to be amazing. That's, that's the result, right? That's, right? that's really what we can control in our life, the process. And I, once I re realized all this, I put these things in place in my own life, per, in my life outside of sports. About five years ago, I started implementing these things. Everything has changed. Everything's changed. My, my relationship with my wife has never been better. I've never been in physical, you know, since I was done competing, I've never been in as good a physical shape as I'm in now. You know, we're completely out of debt and, and our finances have never been even close to as good as they are now. I mean, everything kind of came back together. And, and I'm still on the journey, you know, I haven't sure. gotten to, you know, I don't know if I'll ever get to where, you know, the end, because, you know, you're always going to be, you know, looking for more and climbing for more. But, um, but that blueprint is uh, something that anybody can put in place in their and life and so succeed. The first one, know your values, document the goal, the dream, create that environment of excellence. And what was the fourth one? Follow, oh, sorry. The fourth one is follow through. Follow you just through. have just to keep follow doing. through. You have and to focus on the process, not yeah. the outcome. You right. follow through and just continue to execute. And it's like, you're not going to be blindly doing this. If you have, if you have the other three pieces in place, you know, some people might say, well, if I just follow through and, and you know, what I've been doing has got me, led me to failure. But if you have the right people, you're surrounding yourself by the right people. You know, when I was an athlete, I had coaches and nutritionists and strength and conditioning coaches and sports psychologists, et cetera. Well, you know, I paid an executive coach. I hired a coach to coach me. And, it, you know, five years ago, and he helped me get out of this rut, you know, so right. I, I started putting the right people in my, in my, in my life. I, I created a mastermind group of individuals, like-minded individuals with high aspirations in my, in Charlottesville, Virginia, and we meet on a regular basis. And, and so I surrounded myself with the right people yeah, very and cool. that changes everything. I agree with you. I mean, the, nothing has changed my life. I mean, everything that you're talking about here, I love the intentionality of it and you're absolutely right. Um, and surrounding yourself intentionally by people that you want to be around. You know, you're the summation of the, what is it? The five people you hang around with. Right. I don't, I think there's nothing much more powerful than that. And, um, I think with the follow through too, I think, you know, throwing in is the patience in there and not expecting the immediate results. And again, that's where going back to the discipline of an athlete. Cause you never see, you know, you never see immediate results. It's the, you know, it's the culmination of that, you know, that kind of compounding effect, if you will. Yeah. Yeah, and that's why you see, you know, Olympians winning medals or even, you know, high school athletes, you know, winning a medal and they're in tears because of all of of right. the pain and suffering 
that you go through to get there. And I love I love using the phrase pain and suffering because a good friend of mine who was a two-time NCAA soccer player of the year, uh, Mike Fisher is his name, he's a doctor now, uh, amazing player. I mean, he's two-time NCAA national soccer player of the year. And one time he told me, he goes, he's like, Jim, you know, if you're willing to go through enough pain and suffering, you can be good at anything. That's just resonated with me since the day he said it. Pain and suffering, you know, is, is what it takes to get to, to, to the top. Right. I, I'm curious, how did you get to the point? So if you had this um, kind of successful athlete and you had the kind of discipline and it got you to this point, how did you if, you, if you had to reflect back, how did you get to the point where your marriage was crumbling and the, and the debt was overtaking and everything else and it wasn't working out? What, what had you stopped doing or what did you lose sight of? Well, it was all those things. It, it was a lot of things. Um, I had... I didn't really know what was important to me. Uh, I didn't. I, I didn't. Take, I should say this. I didn't take the time to sit down and, and reflect on what was important. I didn't take the time to sit down and document my goals. I didn't take the time to create consciously an environment of excellence, and I didn't didn't have the patience to follow through. And and sort of the underlying the underlying um, foundation, the underlying piece of my program and my philosophy is you have to hit the pause button. I call it the productive pause. And the productive pause, I define it as a short period of focused reflection around specific questions that leads to clarity of action and peace of mind. So clarity of action and peace of mind, which is what we're looking for. What are the next action steps I need to take? And I want to be able to sleep at night, right? Right. And when you do this productive pause, it's like, you know, we think about hitting the pause button on our life. It's like, no, I got to go. I got to go. I got to go. I got to go return emails. And I got to, you know, I got a meeting to go to and I got to schedule appointments and I got to go pick up my kids and I got to go do this and I go, 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 go. No, stop. Hit the pause button. So on my, on my, on my podcast, Wrestling with Success, and, and a lot of folks on your podcast as well, you, you talk to them about what, you know, what do you do on a regular basis that sets you apart or that helps you be successful? And so many people, it blows my mind. I think my listeners think I plant this, this, uh, the answer <laughs> right. and I don't, it's, they, it's either meditation or journaling, uh, or they work with an executive coach and they, so they, they hit the pause button on their life, right? And they stop to evaluate instead of just going, going, going and doing the same thing tomorrow as I did today because, and for no, no other reason than because I did it yesterday. That's not a good way to go through life. You've got to hit the pause button, evaluate what's going on, what's working, what's not working. Ask yourself the tough questions or get somebody else to ask you those tough questions and then you're going to be better off. And that's, that's really what my program is, is based on is that productive pause. So I wasn't doing those things. You know, I, didn't, I wasn't doing those things in my life and, and I didn't pause long enough to really understand what my values were. My family wasn't at the, at the top, unfortunately. It wasn't, I didn't, it was focused on building this business and I, and I let my, my marriage suffer yeah, and it just, yeah. I had things backwards, completely backwards. And once I got those things right, it's like everything else fell in line. You know, my, my yeah. family's the most important part. I focus on the process, not the outcome. Um, I've got the, the right other people in my life to, to coach me and mentor me and to guide me and through my mastermind group and, and otherwise professionally, um, I ran a half marathon last year and I'm, I'm, you know, working out as a fitness is a, a regular part of my life now. And, and, uh, and I, I, I follow much more patience. Yeah. That resonates with me. I mean, it's pretty much what happened to me. I was focused more on the corporate side of it, you know, but it all kind of fell apart and I was just kind of searching 
if thinking if I got a certain income level or a certain position, um, that would lead to the significance, you know, and um, it just got totally upside down, totally yep. upside down because I wasn't focusing on internally developing those disciplined habits like you're talking about. I didn't have that clarity and alignment as you're talking about with my values and what I really stood for. And instead I was, and I see this in a lot, I think we, we, we try to compensate that gnawing or whatever that is with um, kind of the superficial things instead of doing the work like you're talking about, like you're laying out in your steps by being intentional about knowing your values, documenting what that dream is. And I think that's, that can't be understated. You know, I know earlier you said, it's like, well, I know that might sound kind of, I don't know what your exact words were. Not You didn't say cheesy, but something like, you know what I mean? It seems silly or something, but it's so important to document that, you know? Yeah. And then surrounding yourself and then taking that, which I think is probably the most powerful is, is being intentional about, and it can be anything. It can be podcasts, it can be masterminding, combination of both, but it's just reaching out and finding people that have similar values and alignment and dreams as you. Because you can't do it by yourself. I think a lot of times we think we try we can do it by ourselves, but you can't. You can't. You can't reach reach the level of success, your maximum ful- fulfillment and potential without a team of like minded people around you, a team to to su- support you. Just look at an elite athlete; they have all those people around them that help them get there. That's what it takes to be successful anywhere. Well, I love your stuff, man. And I love your TED Talk. And I'll have a link to this on this. And, and tell me a little, you mentioned your podcast. I was going to mention it before, but Wrestling With Success podcast. Tell me a little bit about that. Give a plug and, and what's it all about and how can people catch up with that? Yeah, Wrestling With Success, the podcast is is really geared towards people who have been an athlete at some point in their life or just love sports and sports fans. Because I have former athletes on there who talk about their experience as an athlete, but how they how they use those things to become successful in the real world, whether they become CEOs or billionaires or astronauts or professional athletes in other sports. Uh, the Spaniard, you know, who's just on your show um, a while back, was also on my show. And, but I interview them and I sort of pull out those lessons that, that they use to be successful. And I always ask them about a, a moment of failure, you know, a time where they failed and struggled. And it really, it really normalizes that struggle for my listener they uh, they appreciate that and they resonate with that. But that's uh, Jim Harsha. If you're good, yeah, my website, jimharshajr.com. You can get a link to the podcast or search it on iTunes or Stitcher, et cetera. You'll find it there. Um, and then I talked about the this sort of blueprint for success that I teach through my program. And um, the listener, we can create a link at uh, jimharshajr.com slash dol. Uh, for a dose of leadership, but I'll, I'll make all that available and make that blueprint for success available that for those four steps kind of go in detail on those. Uh, I've also got a, a 10 page mastermind ebook that you can download for free there, which is really powerful on how to create a mastermind group. Um, and then also a one page, uh, a one page goal setting template, which is just a really powerful goal setting template that, that, uh, is short, sweet, simple, and, uh, effective. Very cool. Curious. How is the podcast? Um- Always curious as a fellow podcaster, how has the podcast transformed your life? Oh man, you know, Richard, it's like you get to you you inter- interview these folks know, who right? are amazing people, and you're sharing you're sharing it with the world. But really, it's it's so self serving too because you're getting so much value. I know, not only out of talking to these people, but also you know, increasing your network. You're getting to be connected with with amazing people, you know, with amazing stories. And I talk about you know the struggle, the failure. Every time I get to ask one of these guys about uh, about failure and struggle, it's it's 
it's it's it's good to hear that you know to be reminded that that struggle is normal. Um, so I get I get tremendous amount of value out of it just doing the podcast myself. Yeah, I do too. I mean, it's like you, you said, selfishly, it's almost like I feel like I probably get more out of it than, than any listener does. Uh, it <laughs> yeah. seems like, but uh, but yeah, I think you know, listening to podcasts, hell, even creating one. I encourage yeah. people to do it. I mean, to find out what your voice is, what your passion is. There's nothing stopping you. There's no better time to yeah. do it. And um, well, I just love your stuff. I love hearing, um, you know, how sports can really, really set you up. And it's the it's it's everything. It's the discipline, consistency. It's the life lessons. It's the failures. More important, most importantly, I think the failures that can shape your character. And if you can look back and think about it, it really is a great foundation. And I and I. I wish sports, and maybe it's just me, but I, I know my wife kind of has a, a, a negative view on sports, and it's and it's not because of the sport; it's because of I see how it's almost so competitive when the parents that you see it. You know what I mean? It's just been perverted yeah. in a lot of ways, and it's ta- oh, taken away, and it doesn't really matter. I coached my, my daughter's basketball team. They were it was a few years ago, and I, what grade were they in? Fourth grade at the time. And man, we didn't win one game, but. Um, I had like, like I said, they were, this is such a sports town and they needed an extra coach cause they had too many girls. And so I got like the girls that, you know, they had the A players that everybody wanted, you know, and then I got, <laughs> yeah. I got all the, the bad news bears type thing. Bad you know? news bears. Yeah. And, uh, but I, I tell you, it was so much fun. And, and what I got a big kick out of was, was, you know, a couple of the parents and the girls said, Hey, they really learned a lot from that. I mean, I, I don't know selfishly that's what i got out of it you know and yeah. it was just fun teaching it and um absolutely that's 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 the value of, of course sports. we want to win the value of striving to be excellent yeah. at anything at the end of the day yeah well good stuff jim i'll have links to all this on here yeah jimharshaw.com wrestling with success podcast the ted talk i'll have links to all these you're going to set up a link for jimharshaw.com slash dol so yeah junior my, jim harshaw junior, junior sorry junior uh, dot com slash dol and i'll have a link to this and so my listeners can go and grab this uh, blueprint free ebook. I appreciate that. Anything else you want to talk about or, or um, share with the audience before we before we sign off here? The last thing I just say is your struggle is normal. I know it's unique to you, but your struggle is normal. It, it's 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 not the opposite of your failures and your struggles. They're not the opposite of success. They're a necessary step on your path to success. They're just part of your story. Keep pushing. And uh, I'd love to hear from anybody who listened to this. Uh, if you if you enjoyed it, um, shoot me an email. Jump on my website. Just go to the contact form or on on Twitter or Facebook or, or whatever. You can find me, Jim Harshaw, uh, Jim Harshaw Jr., and, and uh, track me down. Look forward to it. Jim, thanks for coming on the show. I'm glad to uh, be a part of your tribe. I look forward to connecting and collaborating with you in the future. And again, thanks so much for coming on the show. Likewise, Richard, thanks for doing the show. I love it. Uh, I love the episodes, and uh, thanks for what you do. Richard invites you to become a part of the Dose of Leadership community. Visit doseofleadership.com and sign up to receive his free Common Sense Leadership ebook, a guide that highlights how all of us can learn to become calm, confident, consistent, and courageous in all aspects of our lives. Richard is also available as a speaker for your next event. Richard specializes in practical leadership and change management. He has a philosophy of inspiring everyone to think and act like a leader, which is based on timeless natural principles and common sense. You can get more info by visiting doseofleadership.com.
As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. 